I really, really appreciate you guys praying for us. Um, thank you guys very, very much. We count, I always count on an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys. Um, I don't take this lightly. Uh, I love being here with you guys. And God is truly, truly has blessed our ministry, and he still is. And I know last time I told you that I was here, and then I told you guys that God was taking us through a pruning process, right? And I know God has taken us through a pruning process because not only did he take us through a pruning process, but God has already started the growing process, if you have not noticed. God has already started the growing process. So uh, tonight, we're going to go ahead and continue our series here tonight, A Heart After God's. How many know it's important for both you and I to have a heart after God's just as David did? You know, if you really don't know what a heart after God's is, I came by to tell you tonight to give you a little understanding. A heart of, um, after God's simply means to have, to be, to have your life or your, heart, your life in harmony with God. In harmony with God. So tonight we're going to look at a few things regarding David's life. Um, let's go ahead and pray before I get started. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight. God, we come to you tonight, God. We thank you right now, Lord, that we're able, God, to be in your house tonight, God, to hear your word, God. And I know, God, tonight, Lord, that you're going to speak to every heart, and you're going to speak to every mind today, God. And I bind every lie, every distraction, God, everything, Lord, that opposes your people tonight, God. We come against it, God. And tonight, God, we be sure, God, to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God say tonight, amen. Uh, man, David, man, you know, when you look at David, remember David, he was only a shepherd boy. But he wasn't only a shepherd boy, but he was a shepherd boy, but he was filled with God. He loved God. Now, as I told you in the beginning, your life needs to be in harmony with God's in order to have a heart after God's. That means that what makes God sad should make you and I sad. What makes God happy should make us happy. What's important to him should be important to both you and I. It should be very important. We, this means that we're getting our, we have our hearts in harmony with God. Not only should our hearts be in harmony with God, also when God tells you something, we should trust, obey, and do it. You know, there was a saying long time ago, and you guys, some of you guys probably heard of this. It's like when God speaks, we should listen, right? We should obey, right? There was a saying, it was a commercial, and it said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. If we could just take a little bit of that and apply it to the Word of God and to, uh, to our relationship with God. When God speaks, listen. When God speaks, listen. So King David, we all know, we probably, he's most known for the young shepherd boy that was actually taking bears and lions and destroying them with his bare hands. No tranquilizer guns, 
no weaponry, but with his bare hands. And I know you and I, if we see a bear, if we see a lion, our thing is, if we see these type of animals, is to take flight. We don't want nothing to do with them. But David, he was the type of guy, bring it on. He wants the challenge. He loves the challenge. We're trying to get out of the way. You know, uh, I had an opportunity to go up to Arizona, and there was bears everywhere. There's a little place called Bearzona, but you have to stay in your car or you become the bear's food. But anyway, I've never seen so many bears in my life. But Bearzona, if you've never been there, I think I was sharing this with Pastor Rich. If you've never been there, nice place to go, but stay in your car. Make sure your doors and your windows are locked. So King David, he was known for doing this, but also he was known of take, he was known by for taking down the giant called Goliath. David didn't need any arm, armor. David didn't want anything to hold him down. But David, when he took down Goliath, David went in the name of the mighty living God. David believed and David trusted in God wholeheartedly, without doubt, without reserve. David knew that God could get him through. In Samuel chapter number 2, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, we see the side of David where he was tender, he's gentle, and he's compassionate. But I want you to know one thing, just because he was gentle, just because he was compassionate, you got to understand one thing about David. David was a warrior. Everybody say warrior. When it was time to go to war, David knew what to do. You knew he was a warrior if he was fighting bears and lions. I mean, you know, things of these natures with his hand. David knew what it was to go to war. David was no pushover by any means. David was no pushover. David was a powerful king. David had some characters and qualities that reflect the king of kings and the lord of lords, Jesus. Our, our chapter opens up with David asking a specific question. David asked a specific question. And David asked if there are any relatives from the house of Saul that he can bless. Is there any relatives? So David's inquiring. David is doing a little questioning because David wants to know because you got to understand that David was a guy who kept his promises. Whatever David said, he followed through with it. So Typically, when you have a new king here, what happens is what they do is they wipe out all the former king's family. The reason why they do that, because they don't want anything to assault or come against them establishing themselves. This is why they do that. So in other words, David wanted a clean slate. See, when you and I came to Christ, guess what? He gave us a clean slate. Everything that we did, all of our failures, all of our disobedience, every sin that we committed against God, guess what? When we, when we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, he gave you and I a clean slate. David, he discovered that indeed there is a son of Jonathan who was crippled at the age of five, but he discovered that he was still alive. And his name, man, don't ever name your kid this, 
Don't ever name your kid this because you try to say this word five times, I guarantee it's going to be a tongue twister. His name was Mufibosheth. I guess that's how you say it. Mufibosheth. So you try to say that five times. You guys laughing at me, I only said it twice, but try and say that five times. So if you named your kid this, you won't say it too many times. You'll just say, come here, M. It's easier to say M instead of trying to announce Mufibosheth. See? Here I go. So hopefully we can learn something from David and his godly character. David, through his character, we can learn to be more alike Christ through David. David was a king, but David's kindness comes from the heart of God. That's why David, that's where David's kindness came from. David did not have kindness of his own to show to Saul. He didn't have kindness of his own, just like you and I. It's not kindness of our own, but it's, we show kindness because we have love for God, because we love Christ. That's why we can be kind. Other than that, man, we're some mean mamajamas. Mean mamma jamas. Hopefully we're not mean now. <laughs> so, you got to remember Saul, Saul had chased David and made his life miserable. His life wasn't comfortable. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy breezy, but Saul made David's life very, very hard. Instead, it was the kindness of God that David wanted to give away. David wanted to share his kindness. So, and the king said this in verse number three. He said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? He's still inquiring. See, we, us, we should be instruments of God's kindness. We need to be instruments of God's kindness. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ showed kindness to us. We probably didn't even deserve his kindness, but guess what? He still showed us his kindness. He still showed us his kindness. And so now that you and I have received this kindness, we need to begin to give that away. We need to begin to share that kindness with others. We need to begin to share that kindness with those that aren't so kind to us. I know it's a hard thing to do, but we need to begin to do that. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, in the Message Bible, it says, Our Father is kind, you be kind. Our Father is kind, you be kind. It's not asking us to, it's telling us to. Our Father is kind, so you be kind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32, in the ESV version, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as, Christ, as, as God in Christ forgave you. Think about this. It's not an option. Love is not an option. It's something that we need to do, we need to display. You got to understand about kindness. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that we should all have operating in our lives right now. 
We should all have it activated right now. We should all be demonstrating kindness, even when others mistreat us. Even when others mistreat us, we should still display kindness. Even when they tell you to go where the sun don't shine, you should still show kindness. Hard to do, hard one to swallow. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. We have a decision and a choice to make when we are showing kindness to someone who's mistreated us. Someone who's getting on our last nerve. You got those people, right? You've run across those people. I'm supposed to show kindness in that situation? Yes, you are. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Because I know the mistreatment here, that whoever, whomever it may be that's mistreating you, I know you don't really want to share your kindness at that particular time. I know probably at that time you probably want to give them a punch upside the face, if I could say. You probably want to do, you probably want to grab them by the neck, or you probably want to tell them a few choice words. We don't want to do that but you have to show kindness. After they tell you all these things, after they mistreat you, thank you, God bless you. Hard thing to do, but nevertheless, this is what we need to do. Someone said this, they said, wise people learn from others. Some learn only from their own experience. And guess what? Fools won't learn. Can I say that again? Wise people learn from others. Some learn only from their own experience. Fools won't learn. They won't learn. They just don't get it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. And this is the part I want you to key in on. It is not easily angered. And here it is. It keeps no record of wrong. It keeps no record of wrong. I know, man, you know, uh, we, we can remember people did us wrong way back in 1988, and we still remember today in 2021. We're still holding on to it in 2021. Get with it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go and let God. <laughs> Every time you meant to mention another name, you let it go. It's 1998. Now we're in 2021. Let it go. See, we can only show kindness if we allow God to give us the heart to show kindness to others. We have to allow God to give us the heart to show kindness. God will enable us to show this kindness even in those tough times. Well, how will God enable us to show kindness? Through his Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit, God enables both you and I to show kindness. David kept his promise just like Jesus kept his promise to us. One of the promises he said, he said, I'll never what? Leave you nor forsake you. God keeps his promise. You can take that to the bank. First Samuel and First Samuel 18 and 20. David had promised Jonathan that he would not cut off his love from the house of Saul once Jonathan was gone. David 
was a man of his word. David kept his word. So you know what that makes David? That makes David a covenant-keeping man. A covenant-keeping man. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, it says this, you know, because when David was looking for the, uh, the young man or the son, I ain't going to even say his name again, but when he was looking for that guy, when he was looking for him, he was looking for him, and, and think about it, King David, he was a powerful man, right? He had power. So, you know, think about it, he's asking for him, they locate him. And now he's getting ready to go see King David. And think about this. Fear may have gripped his heart. Fear may have come over him. He may have been afraid. But listen at what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, how David, he eases and he takes away the fear from this young man's heart. He says this. He says, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. Everybody say kindness. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will not only, you see, look, listen at this. He didn't only show him kindness, but listen, listen at what he said next. He said, I will restore to you all the land that belongs to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Man, you know, and I was telling our church yesterday, I said, man, you know what this reminds me of is, I don't know if you guys have seen these two movies. One movie is called uh, Coming to America. You guys familiar with that? And uh, the, other, the other movie is uh, Trading Places. You guys familiar with some of you guys are. But in this movie, Trading Places, you had two, and this is what this reminds me of, you had two big executives, had a lot of money, and you see Eddie Murphy on the side of the road, and he's the one that doesn't have anything. So tables have turned. Tables have flipped. And when you go to Coming to America, you see Eddie Murphy is the one, he's a prince in Zimbabwe, he's got all the money, these two big executives, now they are on the sideline. Right? Now you guys, you guys are trying, yeah, okay, all right. So, Eddie Murphy, you know, he was trying to impress a young lady, and, you know, he didn't want her to know he was a prince, so Arsenio Hall, you know, he's just, man, he's just decorating a hotel room. It's like, man, he's making it a penthouse, you know, but the moral of what I'm trying to tell you is that Eddie Murphy threw out the money. He had Arsenio Hall bag up all the money, throw it out, and these two executives, the first thing when they grabbed this bag of money, first thing they said is, we're back. In other words, they can go from where they are on the side of the road, and they can go back living a life that they're used to and not wanting or needing anything. In this particular here, uh, part here, Jonathan, I mean, David was telling M that he's not only going to restore him, but you can eat the best of the best now. No more McDonald's, no more Taco Bell. It's all filet mignon, whatever you want. But you're going to eat the best of the best. Remember, you're going to be eating at the king's table now. We, brothers and sisters, we need to be men and women of our word. David kept his word. We need to be men and women of our word. When we make a promise, even if it's difficult to keep, we need or we should follow through on our word. 
You know, they have this saying, it says, word is bond. You're bound by your word majority of the time. You know, if you look around, little kids, they hold you to your word, don't they? You know what they say when you tell them something? You know what they say? You said. You said. And they'll keep telling you, you said, until you do what you said. They won't go away. They don't stop. They get you to the point you say, all right already. All right, I'll do it. But David kept his word. We should be men and women that keep our words even when it's difficult. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Comes from the evil one. So when you make a promise, make sure you keep it. Make sure you keep it. See, God's promises to us never changes, and he always does what he says he will do. When God promises you something, you best believe it's going to come to pass. You best believe God is a God of his word. We can trust God. We can trust God. Why? Because he is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. He doesn't renege on his promises to both you and I. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. He who promises is reliable or sure and faithful to his word. God is faithful to his word. Has God been faithful to you? Has God been a God of his word? You can stand on God's word. You can stand on God's promises. One thing you got to understand about God is God never wastes words. He only speaks words that he means. Words that produce life and words that produce results. God does not waste words. God does not waste breath. But God speaks what he says. He says what he says and he means what he says. And the results will come. There's always results when it comes to God and his word. David showed grace just as Jesus has given us grace. Has God given you grace? Has God showed you grace? I know he showed me a lot of grace. I know he showed me grace upon grace upon grace, undeserving grace, but guess what? We serve a graceful God. Listen, when M, I'm going to keep it at M, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about already messed up that name, so I'm going to say M. When M arrived before David's throne, he was scared. Remember I told you he was scared. He was afraid. Remember, David's king. Remember, David's got a lot of power. Remember, David wanted him to come to see him, but at the same time, he, he, don't know if it was an, he, he didn't know if it was an ambush or anything. He could have got ambushed. could have been anything, so he was still a little bit frightened. He was still scared. Why was he scared? Because, because he knew how powerful David was. He knew David was king. But David, being the promise keeper he was, being a man of his word, David promised to restore the land to Saul, to him, and to let him eat at the king's table forever. David kept his word. Verse number seven, it says, And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. 
And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Sounds like a good deal, right? Sounds like something really good. I hope I'm not making you guys hungry. But man, to go from, if they offered me McDonald's over filet mignon, I'm taking filet mignon all day. All day. McDonald's, no. This guy is going to eat at the king's table. And, you know, thinking about this, man, he might have live-in chefs. Chefs? Is that how you said chefs? He was eating the best of the best. You know, um, didn't have to want for anything. Didn't have to go out. Didn't have to order Uber Eats. Didn't have to do any of that. He didn't have to do any of that because he's at the king's table. Think about that. He went from nothing to man. He, and then not only did he have the best foods, but think about it. He, he adopted real estate. He was given real estate all of a sudden. Think about that. Man, the blessings of God. Thank God David was a man that kept his word. This is a picture, when you think about it, of Jesus' love for us. When we came to God, we came with nothing. We didn't have anything to offer him. What did we come with? Our broken lives. What did we come with? All of our baggage, all of our sin, everything that wasn't even of God. We came to God. He picked us up. He cleaned us up. He put our feet up on the solid ground. He saved us. He put us in our right mind when we're going crazy. He gave us a sound mind. He put us back on track. Because, man, we have fallen off the track a long time ago. We were off the track so long, we could never got back on track ourselves. But thank be to God. Thank be to Jesus. Thank be to him that he sent somebody our way. Man, what a God we serve, man. See, what this describes, this crippled young boy, this describes us as being a crippled men and women in the story. And Jesus has not, has not only restored us from judgment, but he has invited us to eat at his table. He has invited us to eat at his table. Good news. Good news. Man, aren't you glad? that God restored us. Aren't you glad that you have a seat at the king's table? You have a seat at the king's table. Man, we've made it. We've, we made it and we are a part of God's family now. So our kindness, kindness that God showed us, freely he's given it to us, now freely give it out. Now freely share it with someone else. Share it with someone else. Just like Christ has been generous and kind to us, we should be generous and show kindness to others. To that one that's hurting, that one that's lost, that one that needs a little bit of direction, that one that just needs to be loved. Show kindness. David gave this young man a chance or a shot at having an abundant life, which he never experienced before. Just like you and I, before we got saved, before God came into our lives, we didn't have an abundant life. But God has saved us, 
sanctified us. And now he's given us a life of abundance, a life of abundance, more than what we could ask for, more than what we can think, more than what we can fathom. You know, I thought myself that I was still going to be working in a dead-end job. But guess what? An abundant life, abundant blessings of God. God's abundantly blessed my life more than what I was even expecting, more than I even thought of. Same for you. God's blessed you abundantly. God's blessed you abundantly. See, David knew he had a responsibility to give and show kindness. David showed kindness. He didn't do it with intention. He did it intentionally. He did it intentionally. He didn't just think about it, but he did it. His love for him was proactive. He sought out this young man the same way Jesus sought out you and he sought out myself. He was looking for us. He sent someone out to look for us. He sent someone out to pray for us. He sent someone out to witness to us. This crippled man had nothing to offer, yet he was treated like he was part of a family. He wasn't treated like an outsider, but he was treated like he was part of the family. See, God has treated both you and I not as guests, but God treats us like family. God treats us as his family. We get the royal treatment from God. What does God want? Let me ask you this question. Who, if you had to think about it right now, who does God want you to seek out? Who does God want you to witness to? Who? Who does God want you to show kindness to? See, Jesus told his disciples to go. To go and make disciples. The same with you and I. Go and make disciples. You know, I tell our church, it's good to come to church, but God wants us to be making disciples. You know, a lot of us, if I can, we all have a gift. Every single one of us, we have a gift. And you know what that gift is? Let me share what the gift is. The gift is the gift of God. We all carry that. We all got that. The problem is sometimes is the gift of God, we use it when we shouldn't, and we, when we should use it, we don't. <laughs> huh? When, we, when it's time to witness, that's when our gift, gift of gab should be man at its best. When it's time to be quiet, our gift of gab seems to keep going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going and going and going. But we need to use our voices to witness to the lost. How many know that there's a lot of people that are hurting in this world we live in today? There's a lot of people that are in need of a Savior. We have the answer, and it's all found in Christ Jesus himself. People are hurting today. People are confused today. They're spiritually crippled and alone with no hope. We know where our hope is. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A lot of these people 
They may not only be hurt, but they may be afraid. They may be afraid to go to God. Why? Because they're afraid of judgment. See, what you got to understand is that when you ask God for forgiveness, he takes those sins that you've already given him, he takes them and he throws them into the deepest part of the ocean and he doesn't throw them in your face once again. Not like us, right? Man, if somebody do you wrong, it's like, man, I remember that and I remember that. You want me to take out my little book? <laughs> what happened to keep no record of wrong? That's out the window. <laughs> we must be people to show kindness, but we must be proactive in it. Proactive with our love, with our kindness. And remember, we're sons and daughters of the Most High. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. We're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God wants us to feed on the daily bread that he provides for us daily. Why does he want us to feed on the daily bread that he's, uh, he provides for us? Because he doesn't want us to be looking other places. We can look to him. We can look to him for all of our needs to be met. Everything that we have in life, every need that we have, we can look to him. Because my Bible tells me that the God that I serve, He'll meet all my needs, every need that I have. God will meet the need because he's a rich God. There's a seat at the table for you. And he wants to provide you, provide for you, but he wants to nurture you. He wants to love you and he wants to lead you. He wants to nurture you, love you, and lead you. All we have to do is allow him to do that very thing. David, by no means, was he perfect. None of us sitting here were perfect. David was not perfect either. But you know what? David knew what it was to have a heart after God. David loved God. David had his life lined up with God. You know, when you read in 2 Samuel, later on you'll read when David fell into sin. When David, and, and all that's simply showing us is that David wasn't perfect. David was imperfect. You know, the Bible says, although you, uh, a good man falls, what does he do? He gets back up, dusts himself off, and he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps going. No need to stop. David showed love. David showed kindness, not because of who he was, but it was because of the love that he had for God. David was able to show love to this young guy. What about us? The love that we have for God, we need to be sharing the love and the kindness with those that have never experienced God's love, nor has experienced God's kindness. Today, as I wind this down today, as I wind this down today, let me leave you with this. The love 
and the kindness that God shows us time and time and time again that we don't deserve. When it comes to us showing those that may not be lovable, may not be so kind, think about this. Think about the kindness that God shows you. And then when, he show, when you remember that and you think about that, show them that same type of kindness. Show them that same type of love and kindness. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight.